Hey everyone, and welcome to the Five Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. Coming up on this week's episode, reports of mass layoffs of VMware employees by Broadcom, rumors that Windows 12 will be launched next year, and over 20,000 Exchange servers running on an unsupported version are still visible online. For this and more, keep listening to this episode of the podcast, which as always is brought to you by my sponsors. And that includes PolicyPack Software, now part of Networks, where you use Group Policy or MDM to remove admin rights, manage and lockdown applications, Java browsers, and mitigate ransomware, plus more. And also brought to you by ControlUp, end-to-end digital experience management for the work from anywhere era. ControlUp, happy users, happy IT. And also brought to you by Numescent the inventors of the first and only cloud-native container management platform for Windows desktops. I should just say, if the audio sounds a little different this week, it's because I am traveling, I'm using my travel mic, also feeling a little bit under the weather, (laughs) and I'm releasing this episode pretty early because I'm suffering from jet lag up at 1am, so I may as well do something productive. But if you enjoy the show each week, you have my awesome sponsors to thank. And now for some news. Unfortunately, the news many were expecting to come to fruition did last week when tech outlets started to report on Broadcom's plans to lay off at least 2,837 employees across multiple states in the U.S., including 1,267 at its Palo Alto campus in California. This news is based off of WARN notices filed in the U.S., which are required in some states, but as these are not required across the board, it is possible even more employees will be let go, you know, if there's no obligation for them to preemptively provide that information to regulators in certain states, then there's no record or indication of the true number. There were other reports of layoffs in the UK, Ireland, and other countries too where VMware has a base Something that caught many people's eyes is the fact that Broadcom seems intent on pushing VMware employees to return to the office, with the CEO reportedly making some flippant remarks about getting butts back into the office, with claims that they must return to the office by December 4th, which is only further aggravating some of the VMware employees after what's been a pretty rough acquisition. So reading between the lines, it seems like morale may be pretty low with VMware, And I'd like to extend my well wishes to all my friends who are working at VMware. While acquisitions are kind of just part and parcel of the industry, they are disruptive and they suck. And I hope that anyone who is with VMware who's laid off or even just looking to get out because of the change in policies for work from home, I hope you find a great opportunity elsewhere. Several tech outlets, including NeoWin and GHacks, were reporting on speculation around Windows 12 and the possibility Microsoft will release a Windows 12 in the second half of 2024. GHack cites Taiwan's Commercial Times, who appear to cite the vague, quote, insiders. But hey, the last time I reported on a story like this where it was the rumor and it was citing anonymous insiders, it actually turned out to be true. Uh, It is being suggested a Windows 12 will be very focused, which obviously not surprising. And it would certainly make sense then possibly that such a leak would come from Taiwan as it's a major market for chip manufacturing. One rankle in the Taiwan Commercial Times story 
is that they suggest will be released in June 2024, which would be out of the ordinary for major new Windows desktop OS releases. They tend to launch later in the year. So I guess we'll wait and see. And as always, you know, I'm always skeptical when it's, you know, quote, insiders who are at the source. Uh, so take it with a pinch of salt. But, you know, I think it was reported by several outlets last year, including ZDNet, about a Windows 12 coming out in 2024. Uh, so maybe where there's smoke, there's fire. We'll wait and see. A critical authentication bypass vulnerability in VMware Cloud Director that I covered on the podcast two weeks ago now has a patch available for it. If you listen to the podcast each week, you'll already know about CVE-2023-34060, which only impacts appliances running VCD Appliance 10.5 that were previously upgraded from an older release. At the time I reported on this vulnerability, there was only a workaround available, but now there's a patch available. So if you're in the situation where you're vulnerable to this, patch. There was also another update on the Okta breach, with BleepyComputer.com reporting the investigation of the attack revealed that the threat actor also downloaded a report that contained the names and email addresses of all Okta customer support system users. According to the company, the stolen report included fields for full name, username, email, company name, user type, address, last password change reset, role, phone number, mobile number, time zone, and SAML Federation ID. However, Okta clarifies that for 99.6% of the users listed in the report, the only contact information available was full name and email address. Also, the company assured that no credentials were exposed. Okta's statement notes that many of the exposed users are administrators and 6% of them have not activated the multi-factor authentication defense against unauthorized login attempts. BleepyComputer.com also reported this week that Google are introducing a significant change to Chrome's back-and-forward cache, or BF cache as it's called, allowing web pages to be stored in the cache even if a webmaster specifies not to store a page in the browser's cache. Some have raised concerns that this change could break promises to web developers who assume that the cache control no store option here means that the browser will not cache the web page, but if they make this change, it's going to cache the web page regardless of the header. Whilst it could lead to better performance and a better user experience, there are concerns about sensitive data being cached against the will of administrators, and certain content requiring certain forms of updating may potentially not work effectively if that content is being cached locally. Last week, Jim Moyle from Microsoft announced several enhancements coming to MSIX AppAttach including the ability to sign applications to any host pool, the ability to sign applications to users and not just machines or host pools, and in a couple of releases from now, there will be an option to convert AppV packages to MSIX AppAttach. He also mentioned improved non-disruptive app updates and even did a demo of that, and also announced native intra-ID support, as well as AppX and MSIX bundle format support for AppAttach 2. In the video, Sushant Bansal also covered some MSAX-specific features, some of which I already shared on the podcast, like the new fix-ups feature in the MSAX packaging tool, uh, the analyzer, and more. So if you want to see all those announcements for yourself, I recommend you check out the YouTube video, and I'll share a link to that with this episode, which is episode 311, and you'll find that at 5bytespodcast.com. 
Bleepycomputer.com reported that the Prime Minister of France, Elizabeth Bourne, signed a request last week that requests all government employees to uninstall foreign communication apps such as Signal, WhatsApp, and Telegram by December 8th in favor of a French messaging app named Olvid. The guideline addressed to ministers, secretaries of state, chiefs of staff, and cabinet members recommends that they instead install and use this Olvid app. Now, it should be stated, I saw like headlines of like this being a demand and a requirement, uh, whereas I guess it's been clarified that this is a recommendation. For some reason, it seemed like the narrative on this story is very different to, say, like the U.S. and other countries who also requested that government employees, at least on government-owned devices, not use such applications. So I don't think this is all that out of line, but some of the reaction on social media seemed to be out of line. It is interesting, though, that they're recommending a French messaging app as an alternative. I wonder if that means the French government has some sort of oversight over that company. Now, just a few quick hit stories. The U.S. Health Department has issued a warning to healthcare facilities in the U.S. to take action to prevent attacks from the Citrix bleed vulnerability. So this is maybe a little bit late in the game for them to be issuing this warning. I mean, there should be a warning for sure. But I think the horse has already bolted at this point. As stated in the headline, BleepyComputer.com had a report suggesting over 20,000 exchange servers are running on an unsupported, unpatched version with known vulnerabilities that remain visible online. Uh, these are found via Shodan reports, and it looks like it ranges back to some very old versions of the exchange server up to like 2013 as well. Obviously, these are unpatched versions because they're no longer supported, but the fact they're still sitting out there while there's vulnerabilities albeit no critical vulnerabilities because i believe microsoft have released patches that were for those that were critical on those versions but still there's other vulnerabilities that leaves these exchange servers like sitting ducks and a very quick hit story here but congratulations to OpenAI as chat gpt turned one year old and what a crazy first year it has been the Register had an interesting report this week stating that an economist by the name of Nick Bloom went so far as to declare the death of return to the office due to the trend or a rise in return to the office plateauing this year. So the report suggests that there was a large increase in return to office over the previous two years, but in 2023, that rate has basically stagnated. This comes as a company called Unispace have reported around 42% of companies suggest they're losing more employees than expected after the return to the office mandates have been implemented. Whilst there was a big push over the previous couple of years for employees to return to the office by some very large organizations, on the face of it, work from home still has gained some ground, with the register reporting the rate of those working from home is still four times higher than it was before the pandemic. So not every organization is rushing to bring people back to the office. It seems like some are happy to keep work from home in place, at least many more than had been doing remote work policies before the pandemic. The register also suggests there's evidence that quit rates and turnover costs fall fall when a firm lets its employees adopt hybrid working arrangements. And standard economic 
Models imply that the rise of remote work puts downward pressure on real wages through labor supply effects. So it just seems like it makes a whole lot of sense to continue to support work from home. And I saw Chris Williams tweeted a comment on the ineffectiveness of return to office policies by sharing tweets from several AWS employees who announced that they are leaving AWS. Back in August, the AWS CEO was reported as suggesting that if employees can't disagree and commit, it's probably not going to work out for them at Amazon. And the cynic in me thinks this could be an indirect way of reducing the employee base by forcing a policy that's going to be unpopular and drive people out of the company. Certainly, I lean more that way when they make these announcements like late this year, considering the tech industry has seen a lot of layoffs in recent months. And the numbers are out there and well known that work from home is effective. So companies instating or mandating return to the office at this point, especially large companies, makes me think they just want people to leave. But again, that's just a cynic in me. But that's it for the news. Now this week's scripts, tricks, and tips. So I'm going to keep this scripts, tricks, and tips a little brief and a little self-serving, honestly. Apologies about this. Uh, but the Festive Tech Calendar event launched on December 1st. So new sessions will be going up every day this week and for the rest of December. So if you want some excellent tech content, I suggest you go to festivetechcalendar.com and check out what sessions are coming up. Also, kind of in that line, New Messen's social media accounts, including on Twitter and LinkedIn, will be sharing 25 videos from December 1st all the way to Christmas Day uh, that I've created. They're basically short form videos. Most of them are like product demos, like technical product demos, but they're pretty short. They might only be uh, like at less than a minute up to maybe two minutes. So it's a really great way to learn about the product and just kind of build that knowledge yourself. So if anyone ever asks you about it, you'll have some information to hand. Also, kind of on that topic, the next cloud paging user group will be taking place on December 15th, beginning at 2.30 p.m. GMT time, which I believe is 3.30 p.m. Uh, Central European time, and about 9.30 a.m. Eastern time for those in the U.S. And it will include a technical session on cloud paging custom application events, which is a really great feature of the cloud paging application containers. And there will also be a roadmap presentation shared by Numesson leadership. Well, that's it for this episode of the podcast. I know it's out early. I know it's a little short, uh, but I figured I'm going to have a busy week here at IOCS, the Gartner event in Las Vegas. So while I'm awake anyways, I might as well record an episode and get that done. Also, I hope the audio is okay uh, because I am on my travel mic. And wouldn't you know it, during travel, it seems like the cable got pretty bent, but it seems to be recording. So I hope the audio is okay. And I'll catch you next week.